All right, everybody, welcome back to another beautiful day here on planet Earth. And I am again in the jungle. Uh, and I, I'm interviewing this. I, we love, Sammy and I love talking with each other, obviously, but we also like, we really secretly love taking breaks uh, from each other and talking to new people, new blood. And I sought this guy out um, specifically. His name is Sajin. And I've known him for a few years now, off and on. But I feel like the amount of time that we've actually spent together physically is probably under 45 minutes. But we've spoken on the phone numerous times. And we just have this, to me, he's one of those guys that I'm always interested in what is Sajin doing. Because he's one of those guys that is always looking under stones within his own soul, looking for how he can clean himself up, looking for truth and honesty. And I really respect that about him. Um, and I'm always, uh, whenever we check in, I'm always, I think our record is, I think we spent two or three hours on the phone together, which I don't ever do, but I did with you. And I, uh, I just, I, I love this guy somehow. And I, I don't, <laughs> No, like it's strange because I don't know. Like we haven't spent a, a lot of time together, but we. Yeah. Still, I feel like there's an affinity there. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wanted to invite him on so that we could benefit from all the hard work that he's done in his own life, trying to build himself up with a lot of intention. Like he was living a totally different life five years ago, seven years ago from what he is now. And it's not by accident. He's really been working on himself a lot. And I'm sure he'll tell you he has a long way to go. And that's that's the point. Life is long. But I wanted him, I wanted to really like, you know, look in his brain, look in his heart and find out what can we get to offer all you people out there. Um, so let's welcome to the stage and the microphone, Sajin Tranberg, everybody. Ooh, clap track, clap track. <laughs> yeah, we need some sound effects. <laughs> no, th- I, I really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, Andrew. Very high praises, and and I think, uh, you know, I, I think everybody knows and sees. I, what's that quote? It's like your 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 number one critic is yourself, and um, I think, uh, you know, you always see how far you have to go, and so I, I kind of hear that. I'm like. I aspired towards it to become that kind of a person, you know, like I said, five, seven, you know, years ago when I was a young man, or I guess I still am, but when I was, you know, emerging as an adult, so to say, long ways to go, but, but it's nice to, to still be able to look back and take <laughs> stock of how you've developed, uh, not just in yourself and your own head, but also in relationships and how you meet with people. I, I think those are very telling of kind of internal qualities and characteristics that are, uh, you know, sometimes a little hard to, to parse out yourself. So yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's sincerely, there's a, probably a handful of people that I know that I'm, if I had, if, if humanity all had baseball cards, I would collect the Sage and Tranberg <laughs> baseball cards and see how you're developing and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah, you're just a cool dude. So I'm glad I'm glad you're here, and I yeah. want to pick your brain and pick your heart a little bit. Yeah, let's go. So you are how old are you right now, as of this recording? I am 30 years old as of this recording. 30. Yeah, wow. 30. I know. Yeah, just just broke into the 30s. 
Does it feel different up here in the 30s? <laughs> I'm, I'm here with you. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the other end of 30, but how's it's it a, feeling? Yeah, it, it does feel definitely, <laughs> I said, definitely a little more pressure. I, I think most 30 year olds can probably relate. You're just like, kind of like this, oh crap, kind of, ah, time is going a lot <laughs> faster now. So, <laughs> uh, but it, it's, it's welcomed. It's, it's nice. And uh, you are you recently blessed and married? Yes. Yes, uh, blessed and married. Honestly, it's actually been about a year and a half now. Um, oh, really? Yeah, twenty eighteen. Uh, twenty eighteen is when uh, of August uh, we got married and blessed, and we had our daughter about seven months ago. Um, so okay, yeah, recently married and. New father as well. So we we explain on the show what the blessing is and all. Okay. That. And okay. Cool. Did you get Did you get blessed first and then married, or did you ever get married, or is that important to you? Or no, or, that's what the, did you know? Yeah, that's a great question. I, actually, not no, but yes, that's that's a great question. <laughs> um, so we we actually got legally married and blessed in the same twenty four hours. Um, yeah, we, we, we didn't want to have like different dates and fly people out for all these different kinds of, you know, different events. And so we said, Hey, you know, let's just do everything in the same 24 hours. We got the blessing date and time is in Las Vegas. And then we planned our, uh, our wedding around that as well. So we got married in Las Vegas, in Las Vegas. Yes. (laughs) So we, we planned, we planned, we planned our Las Vegas wedding, uh, months in advance and had, had both of our families fly out. We got a, a nice big rental home for them. It was uh, for our friends and family, a really small group of people. And we had our legal marriage, um, 24 hours before the blessing, 24 hours, we were blessed, you know, bing, bang, boom, uh, yeah, yeah, we're we're good. So, so that was basically how we we planned and we did it. Well, can I ask you what what did you feel like it was different? Uh, obviously, the ceremonies themselves are different, but like, did you feel that the spirit or of the of the room or the atmosphere was kind of different in both, or was it similar? Uh, getting blessed and married, I mean. Yeah, I would say they're pretty. You know, for us, they were so close and we kind of planned them together to be like <laughs> 24 hours of our coming into oneness and, and celebration. Um, sure. So in many ways, uh, you know, they were kind of one in the same. I, I've, you know, some people say, oh, you know, one's a religious marriage ceremony, the other's legal, which is true, I, I think I'm here. But, you know, I, I think from just... Uh, personal relational perspective, I and we didn't want to make those different things. We just wanted those to just be like, you know, our oneness, you know, us coming to be together in one. And so, um, so I, I think our intention with that kind of set the mood for that 24 hours in general. But <clears throat> I mean, hey, I will say the blessing was a great in the sense that <laughs> I just didn't have to like plan and prepare a lot of the, the stuff <laughs> that had to like come up and sure, sure. together. And I was like, Oh man, this is great. <laughs> this is like 
super streamlined. I was pretty happy with that. Just from like a logistical stress perspective, it was that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because we had to do the whole like wedding thing ourselves. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah, I mean, by the blessing. <laughs> We're pretty exhausted too because we were going for 24 hours, just like wedding, you know. Did you sleep? Family reunion. Did you sleep in between? We, <laughs> we did, but just like I mean, it was just like a few hours because then we had to get up and get ready, and you know, we we rented a big rental home, and you know, our my entire family flew out, her entire family flew out, so it was kind of like this big family reunion at the same time. So it was like. It was a big, it was a big thing, but uh, uh, so we were, I think at the end of the blessing, we were just pretty exhausted and tired, but. Yeah. Um, Sounds like a good plot for a rom-com, you know, just a yeah. bunch of families getting married twice in one day, nothing but, you know, potential for disaster yeah. and all that. <laughs> it's a miracle that it all went down. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> Miracle is a good word for it. Not that like it was like, well, I'm surprised that happened. But at the end of it, I'm like, well, I can't believe we just did all that. And this is the day that I and we've been looking forward to for so long, been preparing for and just like, wow. It's, well, that's my next question. Yeah. I, I really want to get into uh, this idea of preparation because Sammy and I have been hot on this. Uh, There's recently another blessing in Korea and we knew a lot of people, a lot of people had actually, you know, the guys especially had been through the Heinen program, but we knew a lot of the women as well that were mm. going, they had their own stories or, you know, we've been working with them. And so we really felt like the ones that we knew had done preparation, we felt so much more confident in them showing up prepared for the blessing mm-hmm. um, instead of some of the other ones that we knew that, that were kind of sneaking in <laughs> kind of through the back door of mm. passing in a way. Yeah. Um, and so w- when you showed up, you said you were looking forward to this day for a long time. Did you really feel like you had worked for this, that you had prepared, that you, you showed up prepared? Like, did you have a sense of preparedness for, oh, yeah. for, for receiving your wife? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, nobody's perfect. I've, you know, got my shortcomings too, but like prepared. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, put, put a lot of time and effort into, uh, being, put a lot of time, effort, or energy into to being the best that I could be, uh, for her. And, and that really, it's, it's not all the activities and things that you do to prepare, but just that mindset and that attitude gets carried into your relationship every single day. So just that that mindset and that energy of, you know, I'm going to be the best I can be for this person mm. doesn't stop at the wedding. It's not like I'm preparing my best to be the best for her on our wedding day. You know, nobody really yeah. thinks that. It's like, you know, for her. And that's, you know, add, you know, you know, going on, for an infinite stretch of time. And and honestly, infinity sounds big, but it's really just a day at a time. And so, sure. yeah, I mean, I, you know, we've had our challenges and I'm, you know, uh, you know, have my shortcomings and I'm sure we'll delve into some details as we go on. But, um, but yeah, preparation, 
Uh, I think more than external preparations, it was, it was a lot of internal stuff. Well, it's kind of interesting because it seems like if you if you pull, definitely in the West, I can say this with absolute confidence from the amount of conversations I've had, but just from if you look at the data that people are pushing off marriage, you know, definitely in their 20s, a lot of times in their 30s, sometimes forever. Mm-hmm. And the main excuse given or excuses given are usually external, right? Like I don't have enough money to get married or if they do get married, we don't have kids because it's so expensive to have, you know, how much college is going to be in 20 years. Whereas that is not the important preparation, like Mm -hmm. what you're saying, where it's it's actually the internal preparation. Did you do the internal work? Yeah. Yeah. Those external things, it's like, you just can't, it, it just, I don't think it, it doesn't help like focusing and putting energy. <laughs> I mean, it's good to be aware of them, but like, you know, we have the internet and education's changing so much. It's like, will the education system even be what you think it is like in 20 years? And, you know, sure, there will be sure, like sure. some, you know, some constants, but part of the, it's just so nice to have somebody to share the simple things with in life and be able to look back and just, you know, strip away all that kind of extra stuff and just, yeah, you know, just like be with somebody and have like those really simple memories and just, it's, it's really sweet. I, I think that's something that kind of has emerged a little bit more, has started to emerge as we're a year and a half in. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's really nice. It gives energy and kind of it gets your mind working in creative ways to tackle all those rising costs and kids and you know all the <laughs> sure, you know, all this other all this other kind of stuff like the only thing that does is it just it just trains your mind it trains you to like psych yourself out and just kind of i don't know put you into like an analysis paralysis how did you go from overcomplicated relationship with sexuality where it was kind of a hindrance and you noticed that you were involved in, you know, say pornography or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, and what did the process look like for you to, let's just even go with how did you identify you were in a negative space? Because like myself, like you, you were, uh, an, an explorer, <laughs> you know, you don't have a yeah. perfect history. There's a lot of people who have, they live this perfect template Mm-hmm. Uh, of just abstinence prior to marriage, and then you know they get blessed, and then they're happy. But like, what yeah. if, what if you fall outside of that? Uh, how how did you identify? Wait, this is not healthy. Let's start there. Just with like, at what point did you realize? Wait, this I'm I'm involved in something that is not healthy. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a good question. I I think. Um, Sexually, you know, I think with pornography, I always knew it wasn't something that was healthy. I just lacked the kind of self-control to really, uh, or really the discipline or, you know, I or the tools and mechanisms to like kind of overcome and get through it. Uh, sure. So I, was, I always knew I had a problem. I, I be pretty open about it even before, um, you know, not, not in a bragging kind of way, but just like, 
you know, if there were like camps and the guys group and girls group were just like, you know, maybe like when I did like a two-year gap year program, or I'm not sure, I can't think of specific instances, but I, I feel like I've always tried to be open about sexuality in general. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think uh, how it's used um, and expressed is unhealthy and bad, but I, I don't think it's inherently a bad thing. And I don't think I... I don't think I ever really have. I think that's part of where my exploratory kind of personality (laughs) kind of came from. I'm like, well, I don't know what's good or bad, but you know, I know that there are some like really bad things I shouldn't do or else I'm going to, you know, go to hell. But, you know, I mean, this is when I'm like, you know, younger, like, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 18 or something, 20. But yeah, I mean, there were times that I kind of just like let go of all of, those kinds of restrictions because I just didn't feel like I was, I just didn't feel like I was getting better and that it shouldn't be so hard to like, you know, go at it. And, and, and I did it alone for a while. Um, but you mean I, yeah. you, you tried to overcome pornography alone? Is that yeah. What you mean? Oh yeah, for sure. In, in the beginning. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. I, I mean, it just didn't help. But so I, I always knew that I, I don't know if there was like kind of like a rock bottom moment with pornography and sexuality, so to say. But I think just I could see how I treated and, and kind of related to women and other people and was getting to a very uh, just really painful place, both for them and myself, um, probably more emotionally painful for them. But for me, I think it, it was in order for me to keep acting and behaving and uh, thinking and having the same attitudes as I did, I, I had to kind of suppress my emotions or kind of dull them or kind of desensitize those painful ones. And and that was kind of scary. Just kind of that was really it just it just kind of seemed really bad. <laughs> like just go like just you know creating absent it, like emotionally absent like a personality. Just just it, it just wasn't who or where I wanted to go. Like it, you know um, I, I could see how that would negatively impact me and many other people in the future. And so I think I started exploring, trying to better understand why am I behaving in this kind of way? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I ended up going back to, I, I think for me personally, my relationship with my father was kind of um, not the best. And so I kind of was a little stunted in certain ways emotionally or kind of went to escapism or kind of escaped or didn't know how to like handle my emotions in um, the most productive, constructive ways. And so I would go to pornography just as an, as an escape. Yeah. So I started more with that relationship. Um, Not, not in a sexual, but just kind of like what is like a a healthy, you know, father, son relationship, you know, just, just in a pure not, you know, nothing weird or sexual, but just kind of like, just from a, just a pure, like, you know, what is a son to a father and how can I be a good son? And I think by being a good son, I'd be a good brother and that'll help prepare me for marriage and stuff. And, you know, running parallel to that, of course, is the whole pornography thing. Um, and, but it was more of an expression of just like bad like some fundamental relationships in my life were lacking. And I think that expressed itself in running to pornography. 
just to kind of recap, you were yeah. you were feeling numb and you're feeling disconnected from people. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like you were going to pornography because of that feeling, or do you feel like that that pornography at that point was kind of driving you, driving this feeling of numbness? Yeah, I think it, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, because because it's not like I had the numbness in the beginning. It's like chicken and egg thing. It's like it's not like I had numbness in the beginning, or like I you know had some emotional void that I was trying to fill, like looking for something to fill it. Pornography kind of just like popped up and. And, um, you know, I had no idea, you know, I, I absolutely did not actively seek it out. It just kind of forced itself upon me. But I, I think that there were emotional voids and kind of emptiness that I wasn't aware of that it filled. And I didn't want to, and I, and I felt just, just so bad. You know, I mean, I was 12, but I just felt so bad when I was exposed to pornography but it filled some void. And so it was just so confusing to me that like this made me feel so bad, but it kind of filled some sort of need I had. And so it was kind of like this really sick twisted, but like, you know, this is really bad, but like kind of, you know, so it was confusing, but like, I, I, you know, in a weird way, I kind of really want this and it wasn't pornography. It was like, you know, I want this void to be filled. And, and so then I numbed myself that bad feeling to get that kind of that fix that that pornography to fill that void which felt really good and then it felt really bad and then I would numb myself and then I would go to it to feel good and then and then that kind of like cycle really really ooh I've actually never described talked about this is really messed up but like as I talk about it so yeah well you'd be surprised you know how common this this is right um, yeah uh, just this cycle because it's you're inheriting thousands of years of baggage as a 12 year old and you have no way to process it. And yeah. It's in a way that humans have never been exposed to high definition, hardcore porn yeah. by yeah. themselves at 12. It's never been, you know, it's never really been an option. So, yeah. Uh, I'd I'd love to hear like you grew up in a religious household, yeah. Yep. And yep. so, was how did that factor <clears throat> into like th- this process? You're twelve. You grew up in a religious household, and then you're you're watching this stuff that is like it feels so good in your body, but it also simultaneously feels so wrong in some part of you, either your mind or your heart or somewhere. Yeah. So what are you thinking about this as a 12 year old? Like I'm bad. What I'm doing is bad. Or like how, how did you understand what you were doing? Yeah. I think I I was just scared. That was the big one, but I was also very interested and intrigued. I think I have a very curious personality. And so I kind of just, I just hit it. I and was just terrified of being found. And um, yeah, I mean, there are instances where, I mean, like, you know, the internet was just coming out. It was still dial up AOL. And and I um, distinctly remember, you know, like looking for some sort of like pornographic images. I mean, I just got really, it was kind of like felt really good, felt really bad, numb, but also like very curious and interested. 
kids. So strange. But um, <laughs> but it's also beautiful. Like I, I look at that curiosity and there is a certain innocent beauty to it, uh, without a doubt. Like I, I don't think that was, was bad, but I, I think it got kind of misaligned or put into the wrong direction. I'm glad I didn't completely like kill that curiosity and say this is bad. Um, sure. I think it's it's absolutely definitely helped create the man that I am today. But I, I will say uh, I could have had more creative outlets for it. Uh, could have been a little more creative with that curiosity and, and where it went instead of just easy, cheap stuff. But uh, I was mostly scared as a kid that I would be kind of found. Uh, and there were times that um, that it was found. I, I did grow up in a religious household, I think, my siblings were perhaps a little more vigilant about it. I think I've always kind of, I don't, I don't know. We, I haven't talked in great depth with them about it. Maybe I was just like really bad at hiding stuff. I don't know. <laughs> but like, I, I remember internet was just coming out and there was some pornographic image I, I found or was looking at, um, you know, like load up line by line. So slow, but like, you know, I was patient enough to wait for it. It's really weird. But, and I think later my dad found it and he called my, older brother and I into the room. It was like, you know, what is this? And, you know, obviously one of us two had, had looked at it. And, uh, so my brother definitely knew it was me <laughs> and I had some sort of issue with pornography, but he didn't like say it was like, say it was me. My dad probably knew, but, um, but yeah, I, I think it was like, you guys a, just, you're just standing there silent and nobody <laughs> said anything. Yeah. We're just standing there silent. Nobody said anything. I was just like, I'm dying. Wow. This is so embarrassing. But uh, yeah, but uh, you know, I, I would get called out publicly. Like, I think it was a very kind of, if you're doing something bad in our family, you get called out publicly for it by your dad. Um, which, uh, yeah, for me, it was a little, a little difficult with this one. I, but I think it might've been, you know, something that helped me with being open about my challenges and struggles too. Cause I'm like, well, I'm not going to die. And you know, Everybody I like really, really care about already knows. So, you know, hey, what's up, world? <laughs> I've got issues. Um, yeah, but um, I think it was just kind of a recurring theme, like there'd be a VHS or like a uh, magazine that was found, um, you know, every now and then or something that I would sneak or like a page from a magazine or something that my parents would find. And so I think they were always concerned, but I never had like a, let's sit down and talk and have a birds and bees conversation. All the workshops were saying like, you know, you go to hell if you had sex before marriage. And I was like, well, I'm not having sex yeah. before marriage, but like, am I spiritually dead kind of thing? You know, is this like <laughs> the spiritual fault kind of thing? And then part of me was just like, oh, I'm already going to hell, I guess, in some sort of weird way. So, you know, I'm beyond redemption. And so, um, yeah, so I part of me kind of gave up, but another like actively fighting it. But another part of me was kind of very intensely focused on like other things going on inside of me internally that I felt like I had to address. Um, so like a lot of my energy went to like addressing other issues I feel like I had and pornography kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah, but I would say I was never like, I, I mean, just a lot of shame. I just hid it from my parents. They would find things and stuff and there'd be like some conversations. I think it was just as awkward for them as for me, but um, but it, it, in most, the big, the big thing that developed then was kind of like this sneaking and hiding kind of behavior at a very young age sure. that I think 
carried on, um, you know, even much less so, I think, I think in marriage, but that is something, a recurring theme and attitude, I think that was kind of baked into me at a very young age, those kind of sneaking, hiding behaviors um, sure. that, uh, you know, I've, I've, that I've spilled into other areas of my life and it's something that I've been actively addressing and attacking with my wife, just kind of like, you know, I'm kind of like sneaking or this or that. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's that's also very common, right? Mm-hmm. Is if you can almost guarantee a certain reaction from somebody, you avoid it and the the... The hard way is to actually just fix the problem, and the easy way is just to hide it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, but so yeah. especially with parents, right? Yes and no. I think it's definitely easier in the short term, harder in the long run. Uh, it's easier yeah, in the long run, and absolutely. you know. And so, I mean, this started at an early age, but then. So, and that, that's great. Thank you. That was that was my initial question. Is, yeah, um, but then evolving. Uh, you know, I'd love to hear a, a little bit, like a, an overview of the process of you going from somebody who lives this secret double life to to reaching out to your dad. Because you mentioned that you 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 just kind of intuitively felt like you need to establish a healthy relationship with your dad, right? As as being a gateway to wherever you wanted to go. So, like, is is that because you reached some crappy feeling like this, this critical mass of crappiness inside of you. And you just uh, said, I need to reach out to somebody and your dad made the most sense. Was it, or was it just like you weren't even thinking you just reacted and you called your dad out of desperation or like, how did, how did that happen? Yeah. No. I, I mean, the reason I ask just the reason I ask is because there's a lot of people out there who are going to be listening to this, who are, who are kind of, they're in those murky waters where they're kind of sick of where they're at and they have this very strong sense that nobody in the world, you know, could understand me. And especially if I told my parents, they would kill me or they'd be disappointed in me or whatever. So, and that's usually the biggest barrier for people to have a breakthrough is to invite another person into their shortcomings, into their iniquity, you know, into their, their darkness. Right. Um, Yeah. what yeah. was it? What that? What helped you actually invite your dad into knowing what you were really grappling with? Yeah, right. No, that's a really good question. So I, I think for me, um, this was kind of like the biggest issue that I didn't want to let people in on. Like I, I didn't want to let them in on like um, I don't know my my issues and my struggles and challenges, all the kind of, I just like the darkness inside my heart and stuff, you know? And so I ran so hard and I I wouldn't say like, um, I ran away from what, what you asked about letting people in is definitely the scariest thing I've ever done, particularly with my dad and kind of, I don't think it's, it's bad for everybody, but there's, there's kind of like, there are foundational relationships, I think, to who we are, that character kind of existential kind of way, um, ontological kind of way. I, I feel like there are foundational relationships that make us who we are. 
uh, whether we, you know, whether we admit it or not. You know, I, I think it's kind of kind of really ingrained into us. And I think I think there's a real there's a real beauty to that. So I, I would be open with everybody and anybody except my dad. Um <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and so and is I, it can I just ask, do you think it's because you value his opinion so much or because you're so afraid of him? Or like at that time? Yeah, it was it was a little bit of both. I think he was a very influential person in my life. Um and um even more than even more than I realized. Um and and I, I think I intuitively understood that on some level, uh maybe subconsciously, but not really consciously or cognitively. Like I, I didn't really think, you know, oh, I'm, I'm like scared of him or his opinion, or I, I value his opinion a lot. Um, if anything, I would tell myself the opposite, but I think it was kind of a denial kind of mechanism maybe. But uh, sure. yeah, yeah. But I, I think I, I did understand that he his opinion carried a lot of weight in how I thought and acted and behaved. Uh, beyond what I was, what I was aware of, and that scared me because you know I'm emerging as a young man, as an adult, and I want to be my own independent man. I want to kind of, I don't want to be influenced by others. I want to be an independent thinker. I want to like stand on my own. I want to make my own mark. I want to, you know, I, I don't want to be my father's son. I want to be, you know, Sajin Tramberg, like his own, his own guy, shape my own <laughs> destiny, kind of thing. Sure. Which is awesome. Like that is. So cool. Like I, I really, I love that. I mean, that's such a great thing. And whenever I see that, you guys like, that's, that's, that's awesome. But I think, um, you know, there's this emphasis on, uh, individuals as the building block of society. Right. And, and I don't believe that anymore. I think relationships are actually the building block of society, you know, and communities and all these things. There's this big, intense focus on like individuals and building up, which is good. I mean, individuals make up relationships, right? Um, but I, I think, you know, as, as far as community goes, I, I think what really builds community is uh, not a bunch of individual people uh, doing their own things that happen to work together, but I, I think it's that working together itself. It's the relationships. Um, it, because both people are kind of, you know, building something greater than themselves. That's the, the first point where it becomes just a bunch of loose pieces into something a little more coherent and cohesive together. And um, so at some point, did you feel like you were just done being an individual, done struggling and you wanted, you wanted help? you wanted the help from your dad. Yeah. 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 More or less. I, I think, uh, very unconventional circumstance. I don't know if there are ever conventional kind of normal circumstances around this, but yeah, I honestly, for me, it was, it was, uh, it was not how I would have expected it. Let's say that. Um, I kind of, I was, uh, just kind of really, you know, I was running away to, uh, pornography and drugs and 
you know, dating a little bit and trying to kind of, you know, a lot of that kind of behavior of me running away. And so I was at a pretty unconscious state, but yeah, I was, I was using drugs and stuff and kind of, I was having a conversation with my dad and it just kind of like, I could see, I, I could see how he was still trying to like connect and reach out to me and relate with me regardless of all the crap that I put him through, just all the, just, you know, that he was still, he wasn't running away. He was there, he was doing his best and he was just, you know, regardless of all the kind of, you know, how much I had lashed out at him and kind of the, the trauma kind of there, you know, because he, he, uh, you know, he was trying, he was there and he, he hadn't get, given up, even though I couldn't see it, just kind of, sure. you know, in that moment I could see it and I just, and I could see myself just this kid who was just like scared and just running away and just trying to, you know, and escaping. But I couldn't see that until that moment, until I could just, you know, it was funny because I was like, oh, like, you know, my dad's kind of got this old thinking. He like doesn't really know what's going on in the world and stuff. So like, and, you know, I've graduated top of class. I've kind of worked two years in like this prestigious position, like (laughs) with smart friends, like, you know, I know what I'm doing. I know what, you know. I could I could debate this guy and totally like break him down. Just pure arrogance. And uh and so yeah. I was just like, okay, let me have this conversation with him. And I was in this conversation trying to prove him wrong because by you know showing him where he was wrong, he could get better and and you know that's it's because I love him. And his love really just transcended all that. And I could kind of see him kind of, you know, I was like, I'm not backing down. I'm gonna like, you know, show him. And I don't know what it was. I don't know what my dad really did, but he, he, I mean, you know, I know he, he never, he never gave up and he just kept trying, even if it wasn't in the way I wanted him to, he was still there. You know, yeah. he didn't run away from the family. He was there and, uh, and, you know, holding a place where he could receive me, where I could come back and where we could like work out these issues once I had developed the ability to, communicate about them. And so, uh, yeah, I just, I cried. I, I, I just bawled like a baby because I had never, I guess, you know, I had expectations and, you know, I want my dad to be like this or that. Why isn't he like, you know, these cool dads or all this kind of stuff. Uh, but he was still my dad and he was still there and he still loved me. And, and that was kind of, and, and, you know, I put him through the ringer. I mean, we're talking about like a decade of just like being a total like, God, I was just just so vicious with this guy. And the fact that after total a decade- weenie. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Boy, I was, I was vicious to my dad. It sounds like, it sounds like you, you showed up like in a showdown. You brought your gun- and you're gonna take him down. You had the fastest hand in the West. Yeah. And your dad showed up, and he was just a volcano. And you're like, "What? I didn't." Pr-. And he's just like oozing love. And you don't bring a gun to a volcano fight. Yeah. And he absolutely obliterated you with a love that 
has existed forever and he just embodied that, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, by the sounds of it, not, I, I don't know if you would agree with this, but just as a bystander listening to this, it sounds like, you know, what we fear, especially in our parents, uh, in our hubris is, it's like we fear the the voice of God because we think we know better than God. And that's all we need actually is to, communicate with our parent who represents God. They brought us into this world, right? And yeah. um, you got just a dose of what parental love is and it's not something you can debate. It's something that just is. It stands there and it's just it's just sturdy. <laughs> you can't knock it down, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, something like that for sure. I, I think if people like are even if people are generally familiar with the idea that we're God's children. Uh, and so by extension, God is a parent. And, you know, the closest representation we have to that parent is our parents. And so it's kind of like, you know, we think of, you know, there's a lot of imagery of like God, you know, being like woo-woo up in the sky and stuff. But um, yeah, I think for me, I think it's a lot more primal, a lot more, you know, a lot more... Uh, intimate than that that kind of imagery associated with God is our parent and let's all float into the sky. But it's just kind of like, I think it's much more primal, much more raw uh, and much more uh, satisfying, I think. And so that relationship with my dad kind of, and me kind of like crying and like letting go and just recognizing that he was still there after me being vicious for a decade I, it was a very real expression of love. It wasn't like, oh, God loves me. And I, you know, felt it through this song or this word. It's like, here's a human being who's still with me after 10 years of me just being just a God. Ooh, ooh, a, <laughs> mm, just like God. And so, yeah. and, and, sure. and yeah, so it was like very raw and like primal. It's just like, wow, you know, this is love. And, um, and yeah, and, and I think that was when I kind of like really let go and was like, and I could see myself for, you know, honestly for once, for who I had become and the, the, uh, the implications of my actions and what I had done, you know, trying to figure things out. And I was kind of really rash and haphazard in how I approached it. And, and it was... Um, yeah, and it, it was it was it was tough, but it was also just like I'm a mess. I need some help. Like I need some serious kind of like rehab, rehabilitation kind of stuff. Like um, you know, I didn't have to check into like a formal re- like my substance abuse wasn't you know to the point that I felt like I had to check into a rehab center. But I was like, you know, like health wise, I, I took it from a really health centric approach. I'm just like my attention is scattered everywhere. I am using drugs. Like I am kind of like using drugs as crutches. Like I am, you know, using pornography and like running away from relationships and stuff. Like I'm not exercising. Like I'm smoking cigarettes. My lungs probably need to like get cleaned out and everything. So I'm just like, you know, there's just this huge deluge of issues and just like this honest perspective of just taking stock of like where I really was that I was able to just like, honestly, just be able to like look at myself for 
who I was and what I'd done and, and, you know, that I had chosen to become that kind of a person through my choices and that through my choices, I, sure. I would undo it. And so I thought, oh my God, like this is, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot, but at least I knew. So that was clarifying. And do you, was in, in that, I mean, I'm just trying to, I, I think this is such a powerful testimony and I would love people to understand the power of reaching out to somebody. That's, yeah, it is. I, I appreciate you clarifying that because it is, it's not necessarily a, a Paul falling off the horse meeting God moment, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's, it's kind of God in, in his simplest form it, it, through relationships that we can only really receive all the love we're running away from when we just allow ourselves to be embraced by the people that we we are lying to and avoiding and hiding from and it just seems like you finally went home right like you'd been running away in spiritually uh emotionally in every way possible from your home which is the place (laughs) your father right yeah 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 and and like and it was a process, like even though I was, you know, I was a very conflicted kind of spirit and soul. And I think a lot of people can relate to this as well. Like on one hand, I was running away, but on another hand, I was trying. I was just trying in all the ways that kind of scared me, but didn't like terrify me, um, which would be like my father to the point that like I couldn't even acknowledge that that was something I was afraid of because like I'm not afraid of talking to my father kind of thing, you know? Um, sure. But like, you know, I still try to be open and talk to people about it. And like, I recognize like, you know, this probably isn't the best, should probably not enable it and try to like talk to people about it and find people who are who are still trying to address this issue in their lives. So I, I still like reach out and I would like talk to people and uh, I, I got turned to high noon afterwards, but I think even before high noon, they were like, church buddies that I would talk about like pornography and masturbation and like sexual integrity and, you know, still try to, you know, still try to like work through those issues and be open about pornography uh, in general. Even if I was still watching it from time to time, like I, you know, I was a hypocrite. I mean, I was saying like, yeah, this thing is bad, but then I was still doing it. But, you know, I think we're all, hypocrites at at a certain point, but I, I think at least, I don't know, I, I'm happy that I was still trying and not enabling it and being like, oh, well, I, at least I'm, I'm not a hypocrite. I, I think that there are worse things than that. And I think I'm definitely coming to a point where, it, I don't know, it was just kind of like a, uh, kind of like a cry for help or like a life vest where I just kind of like put it out and was still just like, this is an issue, you know, and like, I would love for it to go away, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm going through it. Um, yeah. It. Yeah. I mean, it's a battle, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I did see you, you were part of the first high noon summit. And, yeah. uh, I, again, I remember you were part of a group of people that were seeking like a, 
an absolute sense of honesty in public, which is really cool. You guys are having crazy open <laughs> conversations during lunchtime. I remember. Yes. And, yes. Um, so yes, we, you know, definitely backslide in, in some areas of our life sometimes, and we don't always meet every one of our standards, but at this point, um, You've taken measures. I just want to before we wrap up here. Right. I mean, you, 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 you were telling me before we got into this that you have a flip phone, right? Yeah. Uh, this is this is common of a lot of people who are trying to gain dominance over the internet. And yes. To be more intentional about the internet. So, uh, what are some steps that you've taken? to ensure that you can be more available as a husband and a father and not go back to kind of that dark place that you existed in before. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I will say, you know, I, I definitely had my shortcomings in our marriage. I'm, I wouldn't say I have had a perfect kind of record, so to say. But uh, okay. a, a lot of the, so I would say even if, even if, I don't know, they're, they're recently married men, blessed guys, um, you know, who are still struggling with pornography or that kind of a pull, having dominance over the internet. And uh, have you even watched pornography? Let, let me know. I'm, I'm more than happy and comfortable to talk to guys and help set up a system that... Um, that works pretty well, not better. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the only system that works is, is you choose and you decide not to watch pornography or masturbate and, and put that love where it should go. But there are ways that you can like alter and change your environment to make it more conducive to that kind of behavior. And um, sure. yeah, so I mean, I, I, I've... I've uh, as uncomfortable as it's been. I've I've in in the beginning of my relationship with my wife, uh, I I wasn't always the best at telling the truth. I was a heck of a lot better than when before we got married, and getting better with every single day. But I wasn't absolutely like high noon, you know, no shadows. Sure. Um, and so yeah, there were there were a couple times where I watched pornography, and that um. Yeah, and and she had a dream one night that I had like watched pornography, and then she asked me the next day, and I was just like, you know, it's 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 frustrating, and I do understand why why people want to be completely clean and free before they get married and and all that stuff. But uh, I wouldn't say, you know, I, I'd say if if there are shortcomings or you know, just let let me know. I'm I'm. It is something that I'm very very engaged in on a daily basis and something that I'm working to make better. And that's something I'd be happy to loop others into. But uh, yeah, so I mean, after my wife had that dream and I let her know, yeah, I've watched pornography a few times. Um, it was just very difficult for her. And, and I just never wanted to see her like that. I was like, I am going to do whatever it takes to never see her put her in this kind of position again. And so, and it was, it was really difficult. We had, you know, conversations and she's extremely gracious and forgiving and just the 
most supportive. I am just unbelievably blessed and lucky to have Emily yeah. in my life. Um, but yeah, she was very, I mean, it was painful, but she was very open with that pain and we shared it. And, you know, I shared some of how I was actually thinking, feeling, and just, you know, I committed it. I was just like, I'm, I just, as not something I'd ever want to see her put her into, put her into that position again. Yeah. And so after that, yeah, I, I committed to uh, just doing whatever else. Like, obviously I'm not doing enough. To, to make this work. And I'm going to do, you know, no matter how inconvenient it is, like there is, you know, if it ensures that this never happens again, is it really an inconvenience? Right? Like, oh, this is yeah. so tough. Or Priority. difficult. Yeah, priorities. Right. Exactly. I'm just like, what is numero uno? So I had Covenant Eyes and Covenant Eyes is and was awesome. And I, I use that and I uh, put... Uh, yeah, so I had Covenant Eyes and I was working, but you know, you can still there, you know, I, I had my, uh, my smartphone and uh, because, you know, I was working for a tech company online, I just work 100% remotely, still working 100% remotely. And I was just like, oh, I can't not have a smartphone because, uh, you know, like work and stuff. And I, you know, the issue is not the phone or anything, it's me and stuff. And so I can just like, you know, take care of it. But, uh, you know, I work remotely. I work, work home alone and it can get isolating and difficult. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was my phone and I was going to like Reddit and I don't know, just like working around it and stuff. You know, I think even I just went straight to porn sites sometimes, uh, though with much, 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 much less frequency, uh, than before I was married. Like, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, at that point, I was just like, okay, there's no question. Like, phone's got to go. I'm like, whether I work with it or not, like, I can and I will figure out a way. I told my wife, hey, right now, let's go. I'm comfortable with just getting rid of my smartphone right now. You take it. Like, I rounded myself. I was like, take my smartphone. I don't want to, like, touch it, see it. Let's get a, let's get a flip phone like that will get rid of this one kind of tempting outlet because Covenant Eyes pretty much secure my computer. Um, and uh, but I was just like, let's get rid of the phone. You know, so then, yeah, she took my phone and I was like, you know, for work, I'm going to have to use your phone a little bit, maybe download a couple of apps so I can like answer some emails or log into some things. But like, I found a way and you'll find a way. Like, I don't think if I could do it working a hundred percent remotely or startup, like I, I think, you know, there are workarounds. If you can find ways around porno pornographic kind of like blockades and stuff, you can find a way around, you know, not having a device, like you'll be fine. Sure. sure. Um, yeah. Um, so I did that. Yeah, the same skill set can be used to for self-destruction or self-edification, right? Yeah, totally. You can and use that craftiness to get around pornography or to get to pornography. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, exactly. And, and I really like it, actually, because when I had my smartphone on me, work was, work was always in my pocket. You know, but now, like, it's on my computer. It's in a very specific time and place. Um, and like, I don't know, I just don't get all these random dings and buzzes. Like, 
I think it's totally cool. Like I hate texting on it on like flip phones, but uh, <laughs> it, like it drives me yeah. nuts. But so it's it's basically like a glorified page now. If I get a text from somebody, then I'll read it and then I'll respond to them on Messenger. But like you know, there there are workarounds and stuff, and um, and that helped a lot. I, I also when we came back, I was like, I've got to check in with like a group of guys. I'm in the middle of Tennessee. There aren't. There's not any kind of church community that I'm really close to or guys my age. So, you know, I was like, okay, like we'd gone to a uh, Christian church with some friends before in the past that we liked. And I was like, okay, let me just look around online for men's groups, like guys who like are, you know, studying how to become, you know, are working through sexual integrity issues from a biblical perspective. I was like, even if like, I've never done one of those small groups or stuff. It's just like, you know, I put my wife in such a position that I did not think and don't feel like it's, it's fair to be like, oh, like going to this small group. I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't like talking about these things or like, oh, a smartphone. So it can be like, you lost the privilege to complain. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I'll just like, I was like, there, there is no. Like, there's no debate here. Like, this is not up for debate. And she didn't talk to, like, that is something that I subscribe to. And and it's been good. Every, you know, there there's, you know, I, I haven't watched pornography in seven or six months or, um, and um, there've been a couple, like, masturbatory episodes, but, um, but I do, like, you know, I, I get, I'm, I get and am getting better at communicating how I'm feeling and, you know, even just like sexually with my wife and if the internet's pulling my attention this way or that way. And I was spending a lot of time on like Facebook and Reddit and Instagram. So I like, you know, use covenant eyes to blacklist those sites. So I couldn't even visit, you know, those time sinks anymore. Um, I've since uplifted or lifted the bands, uh, self-imposed bands on uh, Reddit and Facebook for, um, kind of work purposes, but Reddit is off limits. I'm completely fine without Reddit. You'll be fine without Reddit. Uh, my wife uh, has the Covenant Eyes password, so I can't change, you know, any settings or anything. And um, yeah, yeah, it's really good. I think sometimes like we're given recommendations like, oh, get this program, it'll solve your problems, this or that. But like, you really have to be the master of your own destiny and like have to customize you know your environment is an environment like for you it is a custom tailored like environment nobody's experiencing your environment like you are from your perspective you've got to like find things that work for you and and you know just reapply that creativity and that craftiness into uh controlling yourself it's kind of actually really fun there's this really uh um a uh, sweet sort of freedom that comes with discipline uh, and structures that uh, that I've really come to appreciate. And so uh, you might be a little brain dead and not have ways to like, oh, I don't know how to like customize my environment to control myself. Uh, but, you know, so hopefully this has kind of, this gives people certain ideas of, of things to do or not to do. Um it, but you know, I'm I'm also really cool with like talking to people about um, how to make it 
how to make these things work. It sounds like you're crafting a very cool life because you have a clear purpose. You have you, you want to serve the wife that you committed to, and that's very honorable and very cool. And yeah. I don't know if the listeners will hear in the edit, but there is a baby in the background for a bit. So he's you know, he's juggling a lot and he's just trying to he's trying to make it. And in this modern world, it's like it's there if there ever was a manual for life, it has it has been digitized, and now there is there is absolutely nothing because the world is recreating itself. So it's kind of like we just have to define who we want to be in this ever changing world, and that that mm-hmm. doesn't have to change, right? Yeah, how you show up, it doesn't matter your environment; it's who you are. So. It's really cool. I'm glad. I'm glad we got to catch up, and I'm glad we got to a lot of really good nuggets in here that I hope uh, you guys got a lot out of out there in yeah. cyberspace. Do you have any any last uh, bits of wisdom that you want to leave people with, or do you have some some hip hop album that you're releasing that you want to plug or something? Yeah, no, no hip hop album. But uh, if you like this podcast then smash that subscribe and like button <laughs> uh, Andrew didn't pay me to say that so yeah if uh, I think people can uh, find me through you I don't have any like email or Facebook my name is really weird it's spelled kind of funny but uh, yeah yeah shoot me a message yeah, if anyone's interested but I think in the personal sphere you know I'm just trying to be the the best husband and dad that I can be right now. And if if I have some personal project that I want to plug in the future, I'll, I'll ask for a reappearance. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, we'll help you out there, buddy, with your autobiography. Um, everything that Sajin has in his life is something that you can have as well. Um, and it's, it's a matter of what are you willing to fight for? What habits are you, are you going to chisel into your your invisible self and make them the new self that you're recreating yourself as so thank you Sajin for your amazing words and for all your effort and thank you thank you everybody for listening uh, always if you like us give us a review if you hate us send us an email and we'll resolve it there and we'll talk to you soon <laughs>